Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, chess is the ultimate game of strategy, and there's no doubt that the principles of chess can be applied to the world of business. So who better to learn from than a chess grandmaster? Russian-born Alex Baburin is Ireland's only chess grandmaster, and he joins me now for a rare interview. As Alex reveals his approach to the game and the various tactics that he applies, there are very important lessons to be learned for businesses. So listen carefully. Alex, what has made you so good at the game of chess? Good morning, Carl. I'm afraid uh, lots of work. I've been playing chess since I was seven. So that, in my case, uh, that amounts to 45 years of pretty hard work. And I hope I had a bit of talent as well. And of course, you're originally from Russia. How important was it to play chess back then in Russia? When I grew up, pretty much most people knew how to play chess. I was taught by my dad, but I had other people in the family who knew how to play chess. A lot of my friends played. So it was a very common game and uh, it was very well supported, I would say. There were chess schools where people could, you know, send their kids to study chess. It wasn't like during school hours, but it was kind of after school. There were competitions. If somebody was good at chess, there were lots of opportunities, basically. So I got hooked quite early. By the time I was about 14, I was already started thinking that maybe chess would be my career in future. I wasn't quite sure about this, but at least the thought started to appear. And tell us about how you arrived here in Ireland back in 1993. Like many other things in life, it was purely by chance. I was competing in a tournament in France. I think it was 1993 February, and I met with an Irish player, Eamon Keown. We just happened to stay in the same hotel, and I saw this as an opportunity to practice my English for free. So we were chatting over breakfast, and Eamon said that he had this dream of bringing someone from the Soviet Union to work with Irish players and particularly Irish juniors. We continued chatting and uh, he invited me to come and play in Dublin at uh, Easter tournament, so I did. And later that year, I came with my wife and my son and uh, one year turned into 27 now. And since then, you've developed a very successful chess school. Talk to us a little bit about that business and what you do. Yeah, I used to play chess professionally, meaning you go and play in competitions. If you do well, you win prizes. If you don't, you come home empty-handed. And that's kind of stressful. So uh, already at that time, I started uh, writing for chess magazines, and I started uh, giving some lessons. I met during one of my tournaments in the States, I met an Irish lady who was living there for many years. Her name is uh, Elizabeth Shaughnessy, and Elizabeth had a chess school in Berkeley. And she kind of explains how that worked. And I thought that I would try to do something similar in Dublin. And that was in mid-90s. Since then, I've developed it into quite a big chess program. About, I would say, somewhere between 700 and 800 uh, children are doing it. Mostly South Dublin. So what we do, we uh, offer chess classes after school, typically an hour. Children learn the rules. They play competitions. And we have uh, competitions outside of schools running for them as well. And of course, since the lockdown came about back in March, you've flipped that business into an online chess class. 
Yeah, the, when the lockdown came, it was quite a bit of a shock, and I think it took me uh, a, a month or two to get over that. But uh, eventually, I decided that uh, the only way forward was to move it online. So at the moment, I'm running on cl- online classes Monday to Thursday. I have three classes a day, and they're not based on uh, any particular school. So basically, I gave people uh, choices. They can sign up for Three fifteen class on Monday or five fifteen on Thursday, depending on the level of the play. It's a twelve-week course and it's going well. Children, of course, need to play chess. I keep kind of repeating them to them that they must be playing as well, rather than just listening to me week after week. So I'm organizing tournaments for them online. There is a very good platform, ChessKid.com. And I do have tournaments every week in each group, maybe two or three tournaments, as many as that. And Alex, of course, unlike Russia, chess as a game has a relatively low profile here in Ireland. But is the new Netflix drama, The Queen's Gambit, improving that? Uh, Hopefully it will have a positive effect because more people will be taking interest in chess. So it certainly brings chess into a spotlight. I've seen different stages of uh, chess in Ireland, and particularly junior chess, I can actually say that at the moment we're in a good place because it's certainly on the way up. If we go back 20, 25 years ago, it was there was very little. There were very little opportunities for talented children or anyone who wanted to play chess at a young age. At the moment, there are lots more opportunities, and it's actually in a, in a, in a good position right now. And in relation to the Queen's Gambit, what has the reaction been across the world from the chess enthusiasts? I've read quite a bit, and lots of my colleagues wrote about uh, that that series, and uh, it's been very positive, generally speaking, and they said that the portrayal of chess is quite accurate. They said that Kasparov was involved in substage of a famous chess player, so that they managed, they succeeded in making chess quite interesting and accessible. The emotions, the struggle are to the ordinary public, so to the general public. It's been positive. And Alex, what is it about the game of chess that you love and has kept you motivated and interested for so long? There are lots of different aspects. I think uh, the competitive aspects is one. So you, you play against other people, you try to play better than them, you try to win. Also, you're kind of trying to do better yourself, so the real there will be always a challenge. So you try to do better today than you did yesterday and things like this. There is also inner beauty. There are lots of games of old masters you can study and you can appreciate how they approach things, how they thought, how they played. It's a bit like going to a museum and admiring old paintings and things like this. And there is also a thrill. You can play blitz chess. You can play a a game within really two or three minutes. So there could be this kind of excitement, sort of an adrenaline rush. There are lots of aspects. Social aspect, I think, is very important, too. So when you go to tournaments and you meet people you know from before you have, uh, you share similar passions and things like this, that's, that's important, too. And you mentioned about the importance of studying the masters of chess. At this stage, have all of the secrets been revealed? No, no, absolutely not. It, uh, the game is constantly evolving and there are new trends. Computers, of course, in the last, I would say, 20 years have changed uh, chess quite significantly. They made it more complicated, and people kind of uh, adjust to that. You study old masters 
to basically have a good foundation, but you have to build on that as well. You also look at your own experience. We use computers to prepare for one another. You prepare for your opponents and things like this. So there are lots of things you can do, and you have to do if you want to stay competitive and kind of uh, be relevant. And from a competitive perspective, how do you prepare before a game? I'll give you an example. If I play in a tournament and I uh, play someone I have never met before, what I would do, I would look at the computer database, would have probably about 8 million games in the database. I will quickly gather games of my opponent. I'll be playing through those games very quickly. And what I'll be looking for to get the idea, general idea of my opponent, his or her attitude primary to risk-taking. Is my opponent a risk taker or is it somebody who likes to play solid chess and things like that? I will be looking for any potential weaknesses in uh, opening preparation. So are there openings which my opponent does not like? So then I would be much more likely to try to sort of steer the game in that direction. Or is there some openings, are there some openings in, in which my opponent excels? In that case, I would probably try to avoid them. Does my opponent like to play end games? or maybe they they don't like this. In this case, I'll try to sort of simplify the game and try to steer into the end game early, things like this. And of course, then I have to think that my opponent is probably doing exactly the same thing about me. So it's kind of become sort of a double agent and triple agent. So you have to think what they think of you or, or what you might be thinking of them. So it gets complicated. Confidence is an important trait in business. How important is it in the game of chess? Yes, absolutely. I would say that there are two. I think somebody, a famous player, said a long time ago that there are two mistakes being overconfident and underconfident. And the second mistake is much worse. So overconfidence, of course, sometimes it can be punished. But overall, it's it's not such it's not so bad as being not so confident. You You have to believe in your abilities. So you have to kind of stay positive. So when you sit down at that table to play a game of chess against a competitive opponent, how important is the first move and what's going through your head at that stage? First move itself is not that important because the game, it takes a while for the game to develop. It's typically 12 to 15 moves which will kind of define the struggle which then follows. So you can see who has the advantage, who has to defend and things like this. In chess, you have to constantly evaluate your position. You have to be honest to yourself. You have to give yourself accurate information. So otherwise, you, you basically, you will lose. So, And you have to do it pretty much on every move, on most moves. And based on that evaluation, you plan your action, you if you feel that you have a better position, you you need to attack. If you feel that your position is inferior, you think how to rectify certain things, how to make it better, uh, how to patch things up a bit. And then, of course, after this stage of planning, you come to calculation and sort of nitty-gritty. You think, I, he does this, I do this, and where do we come out in all of that? So. And how important is it to dominate the centre squares on the board? Yeah, the, the, the central control, you can think about this as a heel in a field. So whoever controls that heel will control the battlefield. It's one of the key principles of chess that you fight for control over the centre. Although even that concept is not relevant because there are some 
theories that you can actually concede control and then attack the center later, but that's kind of a fine point. But overall, you, you try to get the center for yourself. And before you put your hand on that chess piece, what are you reflecting on and how are you planning the next move? The, the game of chess is never played at the same pace. So certain moves are played very quickly, almost automatically, but uh, there are certain moments in the game when you've got to make big decisions. So the thought process would really depend what do you reckon, what stage in the game are you in. If you're in a familiar territory, you may play a little bit faster. But if you have to make big decisions, then you can take actually a lot, a long time. So it's never kind of quite even. So there are kind of moments when you stop and there are moments when you really speed up. One of the ways I think in which chess can be very beneficial to business people is that when you're in the middle of a game of chess and you're thinking about the next move, you're looking at all of the options available to you on the board before you move you're also thinking about the consequences of that move. How far ahead are you planning at that stage? Great question. There is no definite answer. It really depends on the situation. So there are some situations when there is very limited choice. So I can do one or two things and my opponent can do one or two things and you can basically disregard everything else. In that case, you can calculate 10, 15 moves ahead and it's not even anything special, I would say. But most of the time, in most chess positions, there are lots of opportunities for each side. So if I have five moves which are reasonable, and my opponent might have four or five uh, replies to each of them, very soon I will be exhausting myself if I try to calculate everything. So in those situations, you maybe look two moves ahead and you rely on intuition. So you develop that with experience. uh, You develop sort of a sense a feel for the game and you just feel that this feels right and you just you have to trust your gut instinct. And in times when you've been behind in a game, how have you turned that around? Sometimes you just ch- try to change the the direction in, in which the game is going. I recall one particular case I was playing in a long time ago in Spain and my opponent was kind of try- started to attack me and I could see that with every move he was visibly happy and happier. He obviously loved the attack. So what I, I thought that if it goes that way uh, any longer, I might be in big trouble. So what I did, I changed the direction. I sacrificed a piece for a couple of pawns, which objectively wasn't the best move, but it changed the direction so much that he totally collapsed because for a while he had to defend. And this is not something he was prepared for. And computer would tell you that my decision was probably dubious and not the best. But in that particular situation, it worked brilliantly because he couldn't really adjust to the change situation on the board and he lost very quickly. So there are lots of things you can try. A lot of that depends on your experience and how many things you can do in chess. And in your opinion, Alex, how could the game of chess benefit business people? It might be useful to to train the ability to calculate because in chess calculation is important. So this is what most amateur players kind of struggle with. And if you, if you play chess and you, if you train that ability, I would imagine it's probably similar in business that you have to honestly give a evaluation of the situation where you are plan ahead and then just try to look forward and see what might happen. And you look objectively at each possible scenario 
and you try to identify the best, I would imagine that would be useful. And of course, Magnus Carlsen is the current world chess champion. How would you describe his particular approach to the game? Magnus is probably quite a universal player. He is considered one of the best endgame players ever, so he likes to sort of simplify the position a bit, and he feels that he will be superior to pretty much everyone in the end game. Having said that, he is brilliant at attack. He is very good at defending. It doesn't make him invincible, obviously. He still can lose some games, but he is quite a universal player, excelling in pretty much all stages of the game. I was lucky to meet Magnus when he was about 11. I worked with him for a week in Oslo. And it was pretty intense. We we spent five days and working on just six hours each day. And there is a few common misconceptions when it comes to the game of chess, where lots of people think that they need to be good at maths, or indeed they think that chess, it's something that you either have a natural ability for or you don't. What are your thoughts on that? Most people can play chess reasonably well. I mean, I don't think that there, there is anyone who cannot play chess at a reasonably good level. Of course, if you're talking about professional players, you have to have some kind of talent. It's difficult to actually describe what's involved in this talent. One of the misconceptions is that people think that you've got to have exceptionally good memory, that chess is somehow about memorizing things. It's actually not. You know, I would say my memory is probably quite ordinary, and most other professionals I know would be the same. So you can do a lot with a bit of practice with some learning and some work. Unfortunately, there is no shortcut. You have to put some effort into it. And if we've piqued any of our listeners' interest in the game of chess this morning, what advice have you got for them in terms of where to start? Uh, First of all, don't think it's too complicated because too many people, in my experience, write themselves off saying, well, chess is not for me, it's too difficult, and I'm not uh, kind of, you know, strategically minded. It's not that difficult to learn the rules of chess, and it's a very interesting game. You might enjoy it, so give it a go. Chess is form of a language, so lots of people who are good at music, they excel at chess, and also uh, people who are good at languages, they really excel at chess. It's a great game to play in the family, so maybe find a partner. There are lots of things you can do online. It's easily accessible join some local chess club uh, and if you're really hooked uh, you you can join competitions the irish chess union has a website where you can find clubs tournaments and things like this it's an exciting hobby i think well if you've just tuned in that was ireland's only chess grandmaster alex baboran and i'd like to thank alex for sharing his expertise about the royal game with us this morning and i've no doubt that if his tactical approach was applied to business it would lead to better decision making Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.